0: got three people down there, the ball's up in the air, caught, touchdown, caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. I think they like my Colorado sway. cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act, and when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, nine-game conference schedule that the Pac-12 has and why, first of all, it should be changed to an eight-game schedule. But then, also, I have some other thoughts about why exactly I think this would be fun for Colorado. Um... And it's because I think that you could justify scheduling a game with Nebraska every year. Um, But we'll get into that later on. Uh, First, though, I want to talk a little bit more about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, the Colorado XOs. Um, Like I said, they're, or I guess I didn't say it, but uh, I'll say it now. They're a rugby team based in Colorado. They train out at the Rugby Town National Training Center in Glendale. And the idea is that they're going to take athletes from other sports from baseball from football from basketball from track and cross country and all those uh, I think there's like wrestlers and teach them how to play rugby and the idea is that like they're very good athletes they may not have made it to the highest level of their sport but because rugby still growing in the United States maybe they can make it to the highest level of that sport instead um, and To do that, obviously, they get onto that U.S. national team that trains at the same facilities. It's a cool thing. You can follow along with DMVR Rugby on Twitter, the DMVR Rugby Podcast, or read the written content at thedmvr.com. Yeah, let's just jump in. Um, Like I said, the reason that I did this is because I want to find a way to play Nebraska every year. and i think that if you did switch from a 9 game conference schedule to an 8 game schedule i think it'd be a lot easier to get done um, to be honest like just looking through nebraska's schedule for the next you know 10 12 years whatever they they honestly might be just kind of scared to schedule colorado just like when you when you look at the scheduling they've done before a lot of these seasons, you could make a case that Colorado would kind of be the toughest pump. But, but we'll get into that kind of stuff. Um, the big reason, and this is something we talk about a lot, uh, the, the big reason that you would want to switch from nine-game to eight-game schedule is just that it it stops the cannibalization. Um, and The reason I wanted to bring it up today is because there was an awesome interview with uh, Dave Bartu. Um, it's at CFB matrix on Twitter, um, who is on John Canzano's radio show, uh, who's got John Canzano. He's, he's very similar to John Wilner in like the, the things that he reports, that kind of stuff. Um, just like a, a, PAC 12 radio guy. Um, but he went on there and here's basically how he explained how this would work. Um, and why there's a disadvantage for the Pac-12 because they do play a nine-game conference schedule versus the eight-game schedule that basically all the other conferences play. Uh, he said, when it comes down to the playoff committee, it comes down to some top things. Top 25 wins and wins against quality teams. A quality team is a team that finishes with a 7-5 and record or better. When it comes to the Pac-12, they have 12 teams and they play each other nine times. The SEC and ACC play each other eight times. It takes a nine and three record to get into the top twenty-five. So, if all the SEC teams start out four and zero, all they have to do is go five and three, and they're top twenty-five. If the Pac-12 starts three and zero, they still have to go six and three in conference to get to the top twenty-five, and they have fewer teams. Uh, the numbers are stacked against the Pac-12. The Pac-12 a long time ago should have dropped down to playing eight games. So like, obviously that's kind of a a different way to think of it is just like, if you go perfect in the non-conference schedule, how tough is it to, to make it from there? And like, it's, that's kind of a weird way to put it, but this is something that is kind of tough to, to wrap your head around. Like, like it just makes sense that eight games would work better because there's, there's fewer losses that you're, you're giving to pac 12 teams. I don't know. It honestly, like, this is a situation, I guess, where maybe I should just reach out to, like, a math professor. You know, somebody like that. Some, like, nerd who could figure out, like, why exactly mathematically it is the difference. Because even, like, his answer I'm, I'm not in love with. Um, because it makes me wonder, like, like I said, like, what happens if you don't go perfect? But, yeah. Um, the point still stands in that, in a perfect scenario, you know, if, if you want to be a true Power 5 conference, like a, a Power 5 conference that's competing for national titles, that kind of stuff, you're going to have to have a couple of teams every year sweep your non-conference games, and those are going to be the teams that really do compete for that highest level. And it does make it tougher when you're forcing them to, to, to beat up on your your teams inside the conference. Um yeah, it just, it just lowers the ceiling. It also raises the floor up a little bit because, like, I mean, duh. It's just that that doesn't really matter because the bottom teams in the conference don't really matter. All anybody cares about is the top and getting teams onto the top levels. That's, that's how you get, like, bigger payouts and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. But... We've talked a lot in the past about why the eight game schedule just makes more sense. And I guess before we move on to some of the newer conversations about this that I want to have, it is worth pointing out that the reason the Pac-12 did it this way is because you make more money um, because you have extra games to sell, which makes sense. The problem is the, if, if the, 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 Nine game schedule means that the conference is going to be held back, which again, like based on the the stat nerds, they confirm that this really is a bad thing. And, you know, that over time can kind of wear down the perception of the Pac-12, meaning that fewer people want to watch the games. And so maybe you wind up making about the same amount of money in the long run because, you know. The, the rights are worth less because people want to watch the games less, even though you get to sell more of them. Um. So there you go. But I do want to talk about what the buffs would do, because obviously that opens up another week on the schedule. And I, I think the first thing you look at is just making the Nebraska game a thing again, you know? And I think the easiest way to do this, in my opinion, would be to, to, Just take that extra week, and obviously, like, everything's so scheduled so far in advance, like, it wouldn't be exactly this way, but, you know, taking basically that extra week and saying, okay, one year we play Colorado State, one year we play Nebraska, and you still get the three non-conference games that you basically have right now that don't have to be scheduled against either of those two teams, um, you know, we, we talked on Friday about, like, the Washington State president uh, saying that he wants to uh, market the Pac-12 better, specifically, like, talking about the Apple Cup and that kind of stuff. Well, another thing that he said in there is that every team should be forced every year to schedule at least one Power 5 opponent, you know, just one more high-profile game, um, and, and most teams do most years. Um, if you look through the buff schedule, actually, um, oh, actually, this is a good time to point out. Um, actually, John Wilner this morning dropped a story about all the non-conference games that teams have scheduled and kind of ranked them. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later on. Um, but you look at the buff schedule, they have a power five team scheduled every year through 2031. And so that's not really an issue. Um, You look at some of the easier schedules, though. Uh, For example, Washington is the easiest. They have five Power Five games scheduled overall, um, compared to 17 on the schedule for Colorado. And those are the two extremes. Colorado actually has the most Power Five non-conference games. Washington, the least with those five. Um, And They still do have some holes in their schedule. Um, Like, even as soon as 2022... Their, their non-conference schedule is versus Portland State versus Kent State. The next year, it's versus Tulsa versus North Dakota. And so each of those, I guess there is room to add another non-conference game. But as it stands now, like that's a pretty weak schedule. And, and and that side makes sense too. Like, you know, just get yourself your wins, make it easy to get to the bowl game, Get make it easier to get in the college football playoff. You know, good wins are important, but if you just have a perfect record, That seems to be, for the Pac-12, kind of the path forward, at least for the next couple of years. You know, it doesn't seem like we're at a point where a Pac-12 team can lose a non-conference game and maybe, like, drop another in the season and still get in um, just because of the perception of the conference, which, you know, we don't need to get into all that again. The point is, most of these teams do have Power 5 games scheduled. There is a push, though. And and the, the 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 president of Washington State was also saying like, we should we should have the eight game schedule and that make this easier, um, but those marquee matchups like that's that's what college football is all about. That's how you get people watching the games is playing good opponents. Um, looking through these schedules, I do think like this Nebraska thing, you could totally make it work. You could totally make it work. Um. You know, we've talked a lot about the non-conference schedule um, for for Colorado. For Nebraska, though, it's really, really weak. Um, this year, they've got Fordham-Buffalo at Oklahoma. The next year, North Dakota, Georgia-Southern, Oklahoma again. And, like, those Oklahoma games are tough. The other two, both those years, like, I mean, what are you doing? Uh, 2023, they actually play at Colorado. They also play Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech. The next year, they've got UTEP in Colorado. Next year, Akron, Cincinnati, ULM. Like, what is that schedule? Uh, the, the next year, it's Ohio, Tennessee, North Dakota. Then Northern Illinois, Tennessee. Um, just reading the Power 5, 2028, they've got Arizona. 2029, 2030, they got Oklahoma. 2031, Arizona again. Uh, Oklahoma State, 2034, 35. Like, that schedule is terrible. There is nothing good on there. And, and John Wilner actually pointed out in his column today, like the, the bus clearly have a strategy here. They think that their fans want to see marquee games, even if it's going to risk defeat. And it's like, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the only way you're going to, to get up to the top level is to win those games. And so why like say, Oh, we're not quite there yet. We've got to wait a couple years. And then and then we can try to, to to schedule these games and make a push. Like, that's not how it works. Everything gets scheduled out so far in advance. I mean, I guess technically, like, 2030, there's room for Nebraska to add another non-conference game. And maybe, the, like, in, they, they hold on to that date in, like, 2025. They're like, oh, we're trending in the right direction five years from now. Let's get another game on there because we're going to be able to win. That's not how it works. Like, you have to give yourself an opportunity to, to be winning those games deck a decade in advance more often than not and so i don't know I-, I do think that that's something that the the conference understands like obviously from the the, the- what washington state's president said um which now that i think of it i wonder if that was just a dig at washington that might have been uh, and and that's part of where that comes from um but you know, with with the Buffs clearly taking the strategy, like we, the only way you're going to be one of the best teams in football is if you're playing the best teams in football. And people say that. You know, college football is all about perception, not exactly just what happens on the field. And so you just have to have those games. You have to schedule them in advance. You can't like wait until, oh, here's a nice little two year, three year stretch. Let's play some tough teams then. No, that's not how it works. You have to schedule so far in advance. Um, Nebraska, on the other hand, though. Obviously approaches things differently because they play basically no one. And then they would say, we'll play Oklahoma in the next two years. And it's like, yeah, you also play North Dakota and Georgia Southern. You're a below 500 team. You're going to go two and one right there. That's helping you out. That's an easy schedule. You know, one loss and two easy wins that that's a a nice start to a season. You know, if, if, if you're Nebraska, if you're Ohio state, not so much. Um, But I do think that that's why you could convince them because I think that they see Colorado or at least a lot of a lot of national people see Colorado as kind of a bottom feeder, you know, um, and that's obviously wrong. You can go through the record with the 500 over the last 50 games of all that kind of stuff, but until they do make some noise nationally, you know, they Maybe it takes beating a Texas A and M in a season where you win eight games. You know, is that is that what finally flips things? Potentially, but something similar to that, I feel like, has to happen for the national perspective to change. Because that, I think Nebraska, who obviously is, you know, they they aren't they aren't challenging themselves. Well, you can't even say that because they are going to be challenged to beat most of these bad teams that they've scheduled, but they aren't really challenging themselves with the schedule. I do think you could get them to sign on to something. And I think that if you're Colorado, that would be the biggest game of the season, every season, every single season. And to add something like that on the schedule, I mean, what the, the not last year, I always forget there about that whole pandemic year, but the year before that, that Colorado, Nebraska game at Folsom, that was like the fifth highest, price ticket in all of college football for the entire season that's that's a draw people watch that and if you have colorado and nebraska profiting off those rights which i guess they're sold by the conference but still it helps the conference out that 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 would help colorado out it just makes sense it just makes sense um i think that there's something to the novelty of it you know you you only get to see it what we saw 2019 and 20 or no, 2018, 2019. We'll see it again. 2024, um, Oh, 2023, 24. That's how the series is set up. And then it just expires after that. I, uh, maybe it is two years on two years off, but I think it'd be best if you could just convince Nebraska, which again, should be easy. It makes sense for a lot of reasons. First of all, because they don't think Colorado's is all that good. Second of all, because you think that there's a whole bunch of money to be made. Um, I think that if you could get that every other year with Colorado State, it, it would just fit together really well. Um, because you would have those years where you have the tougher schedule, you have the extra power five opponent, and you also have the years where it's like, yeah, we'll take a win right off the bat against Colorado State. Um, and because of that, you know, like I said, you don't know what kind of team you're going to be in 2030. You know, you're, you're hopeful that by then everything is rebuilt and, and you're right up there with Clemson, Ohio State, and Bama or whoever's replaced those teams. I mean, Colorado's ideally replacing one of them. You know, the odds of that, just because there are so many power five teams and those ones who can really compete for those spots, you know, there's there's five out of the 65 that really compete and that's what, one in 13. So is Colorado one of those one in 13 in 2030? Who knows? But that's what you're shooting for. If you're not, and 2030 is the year you hit Colorado State and said Nebraska, you feel pretty good about it. And I think that more than anything, playing these tougher opponents, it isn't necessarily about playing them that season, like that's obviously what's going to propel you up the rankings and that kind of stuff, but I do think that... If if it is a Colorado State year, the fact that you beat Nebraska the year before that's still going to be on people's minds. That's that's what legitimizes kind of the program is those consistent wins against, you know, I don't want to call them like a good team, power five teams, consistently beating power five teams. And when you have that reputation, it's easier for people to be like, oh, you know, sure it was you only beat Colorado State and them non conference schedule. Well, guess what? You were eleven and one doing that, so guess what? You're in a college football playoff and, and you don't have those reservations because um, you've seen in the past, there is that track record that's kind of built up over time, which for Colorado at this point hasn't been built up. And I think that's part of the reason why the national perception is what it is. Um. So yeah, having... An alternate between easy win and... You know you can't call Nebraska an easy win in 2030 because you don't know what they are going to be either. They have the resources and stuff. They should be a good football team because they have so much to sell to recruits. Um, not like recent success, but just the historical stuff and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that that would be something that would be doable if you were just playing an eight-game schedule because, you know actually scheduling things is always going to be difficult. That's just the way things work. Um We almost wonder if like, so, so the big 10 actually also plays a nine game schedule. Um But they have similar conversations about the same thing. Like, is that really the best thing or is keeping the money? You know, the, I think it's the ACC, the SEC don't play the nine game. I think they're eight. And I can't remember if, big 12 I think they're eight but 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 the point is if the Pac-12 were to flip which it sounds like there's some momentum there again like logistically you got figured out would these other conferences flip and if that were the case that could make it really easy to schedule something like this you know like like to say hey Nebraska guess what we have this same like fourth week of September whatever open or you know what you could do is just say you know what let's play a week zero game and, and we'll play week zero either against Nebraska or, or Colorado State that that like first week of, of conference play would likely be like like now that is open to non-conference games. If you make the change, maybe just take that as a bye week right there every year or at least for like the beginning of this deal. And then you figure it out down the road. Um, so I don't know. I think any way you can find a way to to play Nebraska more is just a good thing. Like, again, I think the novelty of it is probably why it was a top five ticket price last year. But if you were to play that game every year, I bet it's top 10. I I think that it would be top 10 because people really want to see that game and playing that every year. People want to tune in and watch that kind of stuff nationally, um, which you could see in the ratings last year. So those are a bunch of thoughts on all that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to take a quick break get into a DraftKings pick of the week. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you guys there's still time to sign up for the DMVR Golf League. That's going to get started in like a few weeks. Uh, play Mondays, Tuesdays, and uh, you play at a uh, different course every week. Cool courses like Fossil Trace some others. Um, so definitely check that out. I think if you just go dmvrgolf.com, it'll take you right over to all that stuff. Uh, so yeah. Also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Um, We really like all their stuff, which we tell you about all the time. But we like it even more now because they're giving 1% of all their profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. That's right. If you buy one pint or a pack of Breck brews, you're donating that 1% to our great outdoors. Also... um, they have a bunch of cool things going on. They actually, so for the, the, I think it was the abs game on Saturday. Is that right? No, the nuggets played Saturday, either Friday or Saturday. They came down to the bar. They brought like, so, so they're doing a giveaway with the $30,000 Escapod trailer. I've told you guys about, you can go to breckbrew.com slash ingodco code to, to uh, like, you know, get in on that. Um, but they brought it down, parked it outside. Everybody had a chance to check it out. And, uh, it was very cool. It was very cool. Um, I think they were giving some stuff away. I think they might have been giving like free beers away. I can't remember. I'm, I can't remember. Uh, but uh, they've got a bunch of other cool stuff going on. Um, the big one, though, and again, you should definitely get in on this. It's this trailer. It's like a camping trailer. It pops up. Uh, it's like also gets small to make it easier to bring places. It's a cool thing. Uh, and it's also worth $30,000. So, like I said, go to breckbrew.com slash Um, that's I N G O O D C O. And, uh, make sure that you tag us and stuff, uh, when you submit your entry, um, and definitely get in on that. It's a chance for free to win something that is worth a lot more than the nothing that you have to pay to get a chance to get it. Um, also, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top oh, oh, I'm not supposed to say that one yet. Oh, it's playoff time. Bigger stakes, bigger promotions. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with the chance to turn $5 into $200. That's 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. And all you have to do is pick any team that is still in the hunt for the trophy. And if that team wins, you receive $200 in free credits. That's right. Pick any team that is still in contention, bet $5. And if that team wins, you cash $200 in free credits. All it takes to claim these 40 to 1 odds on the basketball team of your choosing is placing a $5 bet on that team uh, to win, don't forget DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up and turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. If they do, you can claim the $200 in free credits. That's promo code DMVR for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're doing the DraftKings Pick of the Week a little bit early this week, but there's a good reason why. Uh, Tonight, the Nuggets are playing again against the Portland Trailblazers, and here's what I'm thinking. So, last year, the Nuggets came back from down 3-1 a couple of times. It was... I mean, everybody was talking about that. I don't need to tell you about that. But, I actually bet on the Nuggets when they were down 3-1 both those times, and was very, very, very happy that I did. Um, The Nuggets don't win game ones. Like, they haven't done that in forever. It's been... I mean, like Gallo might have been on the team the last time they actually won one. Um, but even going back to like when they played the Blazers, played the Spurs, play all those lose game one, even if they go on to win the series, it's a weird thing. Um, I have some thoughts about why. Well, um, briefly, there's things like like they should have put Nikola Jokic in the game sooner last time. You know, they they cut the lead down to five with like eight minutes to go. And instead of playing Joker right there, they leave him out for until the next time out, another like two minutes or something. And during that time, the league gets back to 10. It's very obvious with that momentum. You just plug him in. You're off and running. They might not have won the game, but they definitely would have not let what happened happen. Um, And I think that part of the reason why, though, is that it's a seven-game series. You know, it's really weird to see a game that, that was that close for that long to to see somebody like Nikola Jokic only play 35 minutes. You know, you 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 typically see him play a lot more than that. You know, he led the playoffs in minutes last year. I think did he he might have led the NBA in minutes this season. Um the the point is I think that they may have said, "You know what? This is a winnable game, but it's like a 33% chance or f- something like that that we come back from this like whatever it was, five point deficit, 10 point deficit, whatever. And so why just put him in and, and shoot for that when you, you can have a more well-rested Jokic in the next game and throughout the season or throughout the rest of the series, you know, have a little bit of boost. Now, how much of an impact does playing, you know, seven fewer minutes make, or because I do think that like 42 is probably closer to the number that you should be expecting from Jokic on a night to night basis. Um, I think that that's got to be part of the reason why. The point is, I'm not saying like they intentionally lost that game, um, but I do think that the way that they played it means that they should still be pretty fresh. Um, right now, this series line at DraftKings Sportsbook is set at plus two twenty. So you can, uh, if you bet ten bucks, it'll pay out thirty two dollars um, if the Nuggets come back and win. Yeah, I I I think that the Nuggets are going to go win tonight and I think that this is just going to be a game or a series that that goes 7 games. Like that was a I mean the Nuggets looked kind of dominant in the first half. The the Blazers got super hot in the second half, which is a thing that just happens when you play that team. I think that's a good bet. That plus 220 before this game tonight, especially because if they win even up the series, I guess at that point the the home court advantage flips and so it's three games for the Blazers and two games for the Nuggets. It's not the same as, like, the four and the three that it was before. But still, the, that buyout option is going to be decent. Now, if they lose tonight, then, yeah, you're you're going to need to get a couple wins pretty quick. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that this is... I always thought this is probably going to be a series that takes a while to be decided. Um, and the fact that they lost the first game, like, I don't love it, doesn't really change things, though, because splitting the first two games just always kind of felt like what happens here. Um, So that's the DraftKings Pick of the Week, and uh, that's actually going to do it for today. I will be back tomorrow with another podcast, and uh, I'll see you then.